podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's a maximum. Oh, it's brilliant. Taken away by Wicks. Let's see Oh, it's glorious. And it's Ward Prowse who strikes it. Bamford shot. Oh, brilliant. The Pogba. Oh, what a finish. Came out to him. Menez. Picked that one out. What a goal by Harry Kane. Saka, 2-0. Jesse Lingard. Oh, something finished. The champions of 2021. Hello and welcome to a tad predictable, which the pun of the name of the show doesn't work anymore because it's me, Guy, hosting it. Uh, whilst Tadu is away on holiday, um, he decided to take off basically like seven months. Um, but I am joined by Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Not too bad. It's nice for him to take holidays when there are games rather than taking them during the international break like a considerate person would do after already having all summer off. Tell you what, Dave, he took off the last man city. He took off uh, last rate don't hit over an AI as well, so he did both actually. <laughs> it's just just there's no no commitment with these kids these days, guy. No. Okay. You have to we'll, we'll have to take a, a, a harsher line, I think. It does. With today we're moving forward. Just cheats us when we come on his show, makes the predictions hard for us and then just treats us like this. It don't it's just shameful behaviour. But anywho, we're here to talk about the game. Uh, just before we get into it, I mean, obviously we usually do this as two-footed on Friday. Obviously Dave probably think up another show. Maybe we'll do some press conference stuff or just extra questions or something. But we'll we'll obviously replace the Friday show with another two-footed. So don't worry about lack of content. But Dave, I mean, international break, well, it's not over yet, God, God forbid, but it's nearly over. So looking forward to it coming back. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I, I do not like international football. Um, I like tournaments. I like I like the World Cup. I like the Euros. But all the nonsense in between isn't for me. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back to normality, back to the real season. And uh, hopefully we get some good games this weekend. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, some of them look quite nice, even if they are at three a bloody clock in the afternoon, so I can't watch them on telly. Um, but we'll get into them. And Dave, we start off with, well, ours, I won't pretend to be impartial like to do is. Um, we'll start with our team, which is Liverpool, and we are travelling to Watford, who may have a new manager bounce. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I saw our, uh, our friend and colleague, Carl Matchett, tweet out something about how the last 16 times Watford have changed managers. They've won the first game under the new manager 15 times or something ludicrous like that, um, which isn't which isn't ideal. Um, we don't know. Like, Ranieri's not a great manager. We don't know what way he's going to set the team up, but he has had two weeks to work with them, and nobody's really been paying attention. And because he's unpredictable, he could send out everything. Now, Watford, from an injury point of view... Carvalho, King, Cabaselli, and Atibo all out. Um, King is a blow for them. Cabaselli is a blow. And Atibo is a good player, so they will miss him. But Liverpool have injury problems of their own. Thiago looks like he'll miss out. Trent should be back. Divock should be back. But Jota is probably going to miss out. If he does play, it'll be off the bench. Elliot is out. And then the big one is no Fabinho, no Alisson. So it won't be a full-strength Liverpool by any sense. But 
I still think they should have enough. It'll be a tough game, but I still think they should have enough to beat Watford, even away from home, even in an early kickoff on a Saturday. I'll still go Liverpool 2-1. Yeah, I think if Liverpool have any aspirations of winning the league, they have to win this game. I don't, it, it's certainly different than, say, Brentford the other week where they showed they were a Premier League team. Watford, well, they've already sacked the manager for a reason. They didn't think it was trending upwards. So, yeah, Liverpool have to win this game. Um, as you say, the only doubt for Liverpool is they are missing key parts of the team. Fabinho's the... Well, he's basically the... Own, well, Joe, Jones is in form a bit, but he's probably the only midfielder who's been consistently all right this season. Mm. Um, and Allison's just looked like Allison, Like, he had a bit of an off-patch the odd time last season, but he's looked back to his mighty best this season. So that is two pillars of the Liverpool team missing. So, yeah, but um, I'll say... I'll say three you want just to be different, but yeah, I think Liverpool should win. Um, next up, then, Dave, we have Villa v Wolves in what's this one called? It's a black. It's something down. No, it's not the Black Country Derby. That's Isn't it? West Brom Wolves. Oh, okay. I think this is just a, a Midlands Derby. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it should it should be good because Villa obviously of a lot of investment in the summer and. Have kind of been up and down in in it, but none of the new signings have really settled apart from maybe Danny Ings and Twan Zebi's kind of worked his way into the team. Whereas Wolves finally seem to have settled into something. Huang's came into the team a lot more, which seems to have got the best out of Jimenez. Um, do you think that's more down to the fact that Huang can just finish, or I don't know, Adama obviously started the season well, but no end product, which has meant he's outside the team. But Trinkel's not exactly doing too well as well. I mean, they're still looking for that balance, but they seem to have improved from where they literally could not score a goal at all. Yeah, I mean, they've won three of the last four. Like you said, Wang coming in has made a big difference because he's got movement and a bit of pace up front. He plays quite close to Jimenez in central areas. Whereas before, like Adama does tend to play very wide. And obviously Trinkier play starts really wide and cuts in field, but... There's still a, a gulf in space between him and Jimenez. So having that second player in around Jimenez, I think is helping him massively. And I think we've seen with, with his performances as well, Jimenez has been really good the last two games. Wolves come into this confident in form. Villa have been a little bit of a mixed bag, two draws and two defeats from the last four. Like you said, the new signings haven't really settled yet. Ings has, has done okay. Um, but ba- uh, Bailey's had some injuries. Excuse me, some injuries. Morgan Sanson, who might be the most pointless signing ever, because he's basically just been injured since they signed him. Trezeguet and Keenan Davies all out. It'll be interesting to see if Buendia is back in the team because obviously he missed out prior to the international break with a, an injury, and then when he did come back, he just wasn't picked in the, in the team. I will be interested to see if he sticks with the three-five-two, Dean mm-hmm. Smith. Because it's not necessarily the best way to get his best players on the pitch, but it does help protect Tyron Mings a little bit at the back, who you know remains a liability. Uh, Wolves, no Trinko, he's got COVID. No Neto, he's got the knee injury. Johnny Otto, Mascara, and Bueno out, kind of longer term. Um. 
this is a tough one. It's at Villa. She's got that, that home advantage. Good crowd at Villa. They're both bang in the middle of the mid-table. Both won three games. I'll go for a home win. I'll go 2-1 Villa. Because I just don't think Wolves are the type of th- team to win three in a row at this point. But I do like what Bruno Lage has done so far. I like how he's changed the style of football. Like They're a lot better to watch now than they were last season. Yeah, absolutely. But I will go for a Villa win. I'll, I'll go 2-1 Villa. Yeah, I'm going to say one all. I think Wolves, albeit I don't, I don't rate any of their centre backs too highly. They seem to have kept the defensive solidity they had under Nuno and then developed the attacking side. As we say, it's not resulted in scoring four or five every game, but they are just it's like it's chalk and cheese the the way you're watching. Because Wolves, I think you consistently said last season Wolves were the most boring team in the league, and they really were. Um, but now. Yeah, I'd I'd happily watch Wolves many times a weekend. Um, just a very fun team. I, I'll go for one all. I think Villa is back. Is Bailey back? No, he's expected to miss out. I think. Yeah, ruled out. Yeah, yeah. Never. Now that's we say that this Premier injuries is is generally <laughs> very good, but yeah, sometimes they do get things wrong. And like you said, clubs lie and don't always let let the truth be known. That's true, and obviously we won't know for sure till the pre-match press conferences as well. So yeah, I'll go one all just to give Wolves a bit of credit, but it should it should be a fun game, I I expect. Um, next up, then maybe we can sit on this one a bit longer because there's a few talking points out of this. Is Leicester v Man United? Um, Leicester obviously nowhere near the the start of the season. The one I mean, the sat in thirteenth for the minute, haven't won in four. Um, and I think that extend, extends into Europe as well because they drew with Napoli and lost to a Polish team, didn't they, I think? Um, so they haven't won in a while in any competition of, of note. Um, and United United are sat fourth, which is probably all right for them, but they have a lot of injuries. Well, not a lot, but they have a few injuries at centre-back, which, I don't know, do, do we see Phil Jones here, Dift? <laughs> well, it's been a while coming. Generally, the Phil Jones injury update every week is Phil Jones expected to miss out. But he is 100% fit. He is back. Uh, I, I, I do think it's more likely to be Bailly and, and Lindelof. But it would be great to see Phil Jones play. Um, yeah, Varane out for a while. Maguire out for a while. Rashford still not back. Those are important players for United. No James Justin for Leicester. No Wes Fafana, obviously. And Didi is out for a while, which is a huge blow, because he would have made a big difference yeah. in midfield. But they do have uh, Samari, who can play that role. Johnny Evans is a doubt. He's got that kind of... Is it a foot issue that he's had since the tail end of last season? Mm. But hopefully for them, he's back, because they, they really do need him back in the team. Leicester have been the most disappointing team in the league so far this season. Considering the last two seasons, they were one of the four best teams in the league each season and just managed to throw it away at the end of the year. They haven't won any of the last four games. Two defeats, two draws. They don't look particularly impressive defensively. They haven't clicked an attack. They threw away a two-goal lead against Crystal Palace, which I'm certain they will be annoyed by. Um... 
I mean, the thing is, you, you look at the games they've had recently. It's not like they've been playing great teams. City's they lost. The only to hard Le- on, isn't it? That's it. Like they lost to Legia Warsaw. They drew with Burnley, who they'd have expected to beat, and they had to come behind, come from behind twice to get that point against Burnley. They were fortunate to get it. Uh, lost to Brighton, drew with Napoli, scraped past Leicester, got walloped by West Ham. It, this Leicester team just doesn't seem to be firing at all this season. Now, with that said, at home to United, with United missing the two starting centre-backs, maybe is an opportunity for them to get their attack clicking. United's attack hasn't looked great this season. It's been a lot of Cristiano tap-ins. If Kasper Schmeichel doesn't make a mistake, Cristiano's less likely to score because uh, he hasn't scored for United yet when it hasn't been a goalkeeping error. Um, I think this will be a, a good game. I think it will be quite open. I think there will be a lot of chances at both ends. I think both teams will score a couple. So I'll go 2-2 which I think is a, a better result for United, even though they're fourth, than it is for Leicester. Because I think Leicester, at full strength, would actually beat United. I think they've got a better manager. They've got, I believe, a better starting eleven When everybody's fit, yeah, I don't even think it's in doubt. And at home, I, I think this is a, a draw is a better result for United than Leicester. So I'll go 2-2. Yeah, I think it should be a fun game. I think it just settles, whoever settles into the best without their uh, missing players. I think that's probably the main main question mark. Can Samara do what indeed he does? Um, and can United have any centre back solidity at all? It's uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, Lindelof and Lindelof and Bay is just I don't know flop eleven. <laughs> I think United fans will be not happy with that, but it 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 won't be pretty. I don't think, but. Vardy against them two should be fun, but at the same time, we we mentioned numerous times, Sionchu's looked like a shadow of him for myself and Vestergaard yeah. had a good start as well. So, No, Vestergaard's just not very good, mm. and like you say, Kagler's not playing well. The The interesting matchup in this game is going to be Harvey Barnes against Wan-Bissaka. Wan-Bissaka normally does well against pacey wide players, but Barnes doesn't spend much time wide on the left. He's always looking to drive central. And it'll be interesting to see if Wan-Bissaka starts to follow him or will he leave him to the centre-backs? Because if he starts to follow him, he's going to open up a massive channel down that side for Leicester to attack. And regardless of whether it's Castanier or Thomas, they can both deliver good ball from wide areas. If he leaves him to the centre-backs, I think Barnes will run him up. I don't think either Bailly or Lindelof will want any part of Harvey Barnes. So, yeah, I think um, I think this will be a fun game. I do. I this is the Saturday game that I think I'm, I'm most looking forward to, bar the late kickoff. Is Fred available? No, no right. Fred for United. Actually, I forgot that one. Because he's with Brazil as well, mm. so he he will not play in so this game. United win then. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, the other thing is, it means it means Pogba's definitely playing in the midfield too. So you're going to have Pogba and McTominay against Sumare and Yuri Tielemans. There's only one winner in that, and it's not mm. the United two. And let's be honest, I mean, Pogba 
even if he's not, it's not his natural position. He has been good on the left wing, uh, or at times he's been good. And whoever fills that void for him hasn't been good. I mean, Sancho's not started particularly well. Who else is going to play there? Lingard, not really. Van der Beek doesn't exist anymore. Rashford's so, out injured. Yeah. So it's so yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, it's, I I do think Sancho is going to figure this out soon enough and I think he'll have a couple of big games but I like how you said he'll figure it out and not the manager <laughs> oh well, the manager's not going to figure it out the manager can't figure out his way to the bathroom like I, I just think I just think Sancho's got too much talent for this to stay this bad like I'm not saying he's going to immediately turn around and be the best winger in the league no it may be a thing that he has a good run then a bad run then a good run then a bad run but I, I do think he'll find some form soon enough yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think even in the cameos, I mean, he, I think it's been highlighted he missed a shot after Pogba and Ronaldo worked it to him last week, but he, he still came on and made an impact as a sub, albeit he didn't score anything, but it's improving slowly and just figuring out. Playing for United must be hard. There's so much pressure, albeit Dortmund's a huge club. Man United's different. They're expectant now because they spent 75, 90 mil on him. So, yeah, the expectations there for a young lad. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I hope he fails and goes back to Germany. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, hey ho. I'll say, I'll say two one Leicester because I think that midfield. I don't think Fred's any good, but I, every time I see Pogba in midfield, it just doesn't work. So unless it's a midfield three, then they don't do that. So yeah, I, I think the midfield battle will be key there. Um, do we just pencil in five nil for Man City against Burnley, Dave? Yeah, I I don't really think there's a whole lot of point uh, spending much time on this. City always destroy Burnley at the Etihad. Um, I mean, Gundogan's out, but they've got Bernardo in great form, so they won't be missing much there. No Max Cornet, no Ben Mee. Well, they're both major doubts. No Goodmanson. So Burnley won't be at full strength. I I am going to go with the traditional 5-0 win for Manchester City on this one. Yeah, and it's not even anything against Burnley. It is just tradition at this point. It has you have to pick it. I'll say Fordham just to be different. So why not? Um, do 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 one more before the break. And Norwich against Brighton. I, I it's it's. I know you like Norwich and you like what they did, but it's so hard picking Norwich in any any type of prediction, especially against Brighton. Mm. Brighton do, especially last year, had a tendency to screw up against teams when you'd expect them to pick up points, but. Brighton look different this year, and Norwich just look look like a championship team. They do. They do very much look like a championship team. Now, Farka has tried to change things up a little bit lately with the move to the back three. I don't think it's going to work while he's trying to play Grant Hanley. I know he's the club captain, but I just think you've really got to, you've really got to just be a little bit more ruthless there. He wasn't good enough the last time you were up. He hasn't gotten better. Mm-hmm. You need to make a change there. But the thing is, Brighton are missing some important players. Webster is still out. Basuma is a major doubt. Mwepu is still out. Alzate is out, possibly for the season. And Danny Welbeck is out. So, you know, Welbeck would, isn't very good, but he would start for them. Mm-hmm. And... They're missing their three ball-winning midfielders. Now, maybe we finally get to see Jakob Motor. Well, he played really well midfield. against Arsenal, didn't he? Really, really well. Yeah, he's a really good player. 
Um, for Norwich, Matthias Norman is playing well at the minute. He's a major doubt. Zimmerman, I don't think, would start anyway. Cantwell is a big blow. Uh, he's not expected to play in Sam Byron, but I mean, he's the backup right back. I Brighton should win this game. Like, they should win this game. Brighton are sixth. They've only lost once this season. They're unbeaten in their last four. They're in much better form. Norwich have been dreadful. They lost six in a row. They finally got a point last time out, but it was against Burnley, who have been almost as bad this season. But I'm going to go for a draw. This is in Norwich. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. Because I don't think Brighton have too many goals in them. And I just fancy Timo Pukki to score. But I don't think Brighton will lose the game. So I'm going to go 1-1 draw. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for a 3-1 Brighton win because I I just don't trust Norwich at all. It's the safe bet. Um, On Brighton, I know it's a player you like the signing of in the, uh, in the summer window, and that's Cucurella. Just talk to me about him because he was very impressive against Arsenal. The hair, the everything. He looks like, well, pretty much what you, you promised that a very exciting attacking left wing back. Mm. Yeah, he just stands out. Like, he stands out, even if you don't see him do anything, he just stands out because his hair is mental. There was an Argentinian left back. I think his name was Juan Pablo Serene. Uh, let me see. I think it was Juan Pablo Serene. Yeah. So he played for Argentina uh, between 95 and 06. But I remember him around 02, around that World Cup. And he just, his hair was similar to Cucurella's. He wasn't a great player, but he just stood out. And he ended up having a really decent career for himself. But Cucurella just stands out. Like, you pick him out a mile with the hair. He looks bigger than he is. Like, he's actually quite a small guy, but the Mm. hair makes him look more formidable. Um, But he's really good on the ball. He's really aggressive with and without the ball. He's not a great defender, but as a wing back, he's good enough. So I, I really like that he? signing. Yeah, he's not afraid at all. He will put his foot in. He will go full-blooded into tackles. He's been really well-schooled. He came through the Barcelona Academy. He didn't take the easy route because they wanted to keep him. Mm. They wanted him to stay there and be the backup to Jordi Alba. But he decided to move on. He forced the issue to go to Hatafe. He was very clear that he would not be going back to Barcelona, that he would not have any interest in playing for them again. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that Brighton got a belter of a player there. Well, didn't they sign Firpo to replace him? Who? Barca? Yeah. Firpo signed... I want to say Firpo signed the year before... He left, but I think he went on loan that year. So Junior Firpo signed in 2019, and he was loaned to Tafe that season. Yeah, so he went on loan. They had a... I think a plan was, we'll sell him, get some short-term cash. They put a buyback into the deal. He was adamant he wasn't going back. Mm -hmm. 
Hatafe bought the buyback out, and then obviously, so they owned a hundred percent of his rights, mm-hmm. and were able to sell him on. I'm um, say he looks he's settled a lot better than Firpool has at Leeds. Yes, very much so. He's just a more. He's technically and fundamentally, he's a better player. Firpo is a very good athlete and very talented, but his defensive fundamentals aren't always there. And he can be a little bit wild with some of his positioning. Like, you'll often see him caught with everybody else behind him. Like, he'll he'll overlap when there's no chance of him getting the ball. And the ball will be gone back down the far end and he'll be standing there looking a little bit lost. Um, Firpo's very good on the ball. Off the ball, he's not that good. That's where he'll need to be developed. But he's a great athlete and he will fit in well at Leeds if Bielsa can can develop that kind of tactical and technical side mm-hmm. of his of his game. But when Brighton have Cucurella on the left and Lamptey on the right, that is going to be really, really difficult to defend. Because you can't really play either of them 1v1. Cucurella doesn't have that lightning speed that Lamptey has. But he has trickery to get by a player. And he's a great crosser of the ball. Mm-hmm. And Lamptey, as we saw last season before he got hurt, he's near impossible to stop 1v1. And if he gets into the box, it's... I mean, what did he, he won four or five penalties last season. And a bunch of free kicks around the edge of the box... Because defenders, because he's so small, mm. defenders had a really hard time trying to judge tackles on him. And when when they have the two of them at full speed and they get Webster back, I think, and, and obviously the midfielders, I think when Brighton are full strength this season, they're going to be really good. I'm hopeful we see Lamptey in this game. Yeah. But I do think it's good that you mentioned Cucurella. I do think the really interesting battle in this game will be him against Max Ahrens. Mm. Because Aaron's is really good attacking from right back, but can be a little bit suspect defensively, which is basically the same as Cucurella. So I think there'll be a big battle down that side of the field between those two. But I still think a draw. I'm still going to go for a draw, even though you. Uh, the more I talk about and think about <laughs> Brighton, the more I think they should win this game. You forgot I'm about still going to give Norwich the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, sure. It, it should be a fun game either way. I mean, regardless of what we say about Norwich, they're quite entertaining to watch at times, so should be one to check out. Maybe not at the expense of something like Leicester v Man U, but it'll probably have some highlights on match of the day. Um, But we'll take a quick ad break there, because that is five games, and we'll be back in a more. And we are back. Uh, I f- I'm pretty sure I said my prediction, but if I didn't, I said 3-1 uh, to Brighton for the last game. Um, but that is that for that one, and we'll move on to Southampton v Leeds. Uh, I don't, it do, this isn't a derby, Dave, but I mean, this is just distance-covered derby, isn't it? Because these just get run into the ground. Yeah, this is 22 lads who will run lots in this game. Um... Two teams that obviously haven't had good starts to the season. Leeds, one win. That was now, in fairness, that was last time out. Um, and it's not like they they beat a good team. They beat Watford, who haven't been great either. Watford doing okay, but they're not, you know, a team that we expect to finish in the top Still half. Got lucky with that uh, disallowed goal as well. Oh, very lucky. Yeah, very very lucky. And like Leeds just have been disappointing this season. They got hammered by United. 
They got hammered by Liverpool, and that that would have been a lot worse. If the sending off actually saved Leeds, I think, from a bit of a hammering. Mm -hmm. I think it really threw Liverpool off. Um, There's some speculation about Hasenhutl. I take it with a pinch of salt because of the source it comes from. But it does have to get to the point where they are going to start looking at him. They are going to start considering, is it time to move on from Ralph? Because, you know, they had the really bad start to the 1920 season and then turned things around. Last season, they made the really good start. But their second half, from January, they were an abomination. In Mm. fact... You can go back to the 13th of December last year and they've only won five Premier League games. That's 26 games last season and the seven so far this season and they've won five of them, which isn't great. They've got Mm. four draws this season to go with five. That's nine draws and five defeats. Sorry, nine draws and five wins. In 33 games. That's 24 points from a possible 69 points. No. That's not right. From a possible 99 points. That's really bad. Like, that's relegation form over almost an entire season. And if we look at who Southampton are playing, they get Leeds this weekend. That's a difficult game. Burnley at home next week is a game they should win, but it won't be easy. Then they're away to Watford. It's Again, it's a game they can get a result from, but it won't be easy. Then it's Villa at home. Again, one they could win, but won't be easy. And then Norwich. So the next five games are favourable enough. They're tough, but favourable enough. There's a couple of wins to be had in there. But let's even say that they win. Let's say they win three and and draw. And uh, sorry, win three, draw one, and lose one. Right, that's probably best case scenario. That's still thirty four points from thirty eight games. That's still that's relegation form over an entire season's worth of games. And I don't think I'd back them to take ten points from those five games. No, given what I've watched this season. And the second half of last season. They're such a weird team. Like, I don't understand how, through the first 12 games last season, they won seven. They lost the first two and won seven of ten. They've lost, uh, they've won five games since then. What would like, you put it down to? Because team. I think. Well, we both like Ralph, I think, and I think he's a very mm. likable manager. I think even at times we, we've said maybe stuff like the Arsenal job would be a good step up for him. But I don't, I don't know. I don't look at that squad and think... I think there's a lot of issues there. I think he could stay up. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know where... That, is, it, is it just a lack of squad depth? Or has Ralph just run his course there? Because... I mean, if he did get sacked at Southampton, I'm looking, Newcastle need a manager to 
take him up a level. I'd say mm. it'd be good for something like that. He'd be ideal for Newcastle if Ralph Ranick is going to take exactly, over yeah. as director of football mm. because they're doing. both from that that Red Bull school. Well, Ranick designed the school and mm. Ralph was kind of the first star pupil to come out of it. Um, so that would definitely that would definitely make sense. The Newcastle fans might turn their noses up a little bit, but I think Ranyi could be a really good signing. It's better than getting Frank Lampard. <laughs> it's much, that's exactly it. Much better. And like the thing for Southampton as well to consider is who are you getting to replace him? Like go back to Mark Hughes. Maybe like Eddie Howe's name's been mm. mentioned. Uh, you know, like is he going to get you through a relegation battle? Well, Rob's not taking really. Him through, what three relegation battles now? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty Eddie much. Howell's, Eddie Howe's been in one relegation battle and got relegated because he was safe very early on in the other years, wasn't he? That's exactly it. You know, they they generally had done pretty mm. well. They got they got progressively worse for a couple of seasons, but they weren't in mm. relegation trouble till that last season. Like you look at that that Southampton squad. You've got McCarthy's a decent keeper. Forster's a decent keeper. Are either of them starters for many other Premier League teams? Probably not. They're, but they're good goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. But ideally, you would want someone ahead of them. I think that's what they bought Angus Gunn and the hope he would be. But obviously, it didn't work out. Yeah. At right back, you've got Walker Peters and Livermento. It's a really no, good right back situation. But I don't understand why Walker Peters is not the starter right now. Livermento's 18. And he's very talented, but he's 18, and he is making defensive mistakes. At left back, you've got uh, Perot, who has also found his way out of the team, and Walker Peters has been playing left back, which is just bizarre, because I thought Perot started the team playing the season playing fairly well. Um, they don't really have a backup left back. I think Samuel McQueen is the, the backup left-back in the squad. Though they do they did buy Thierry Small from Everton. But again, 17, too young, too unproven. So it's not a bad group of full-backs. You'd like one more left-back in for depth. Mm-hmm. you know. But other than that, it's fine. At centre-back, I like Bednarak. I really like Salisu. I'm not huge on Jack Stevens, but he's all right. And I like Lianco. So it's a, it's a decent group. Again, you'd maybe want one more for a bit of extra depth. But other than that, it's fine. Midfield is where I have an issue. You've got Ward-Prowse, Romeo, and Diallo. Three bodies for two positions just isn't enough. Ideally, you want five central midfielders if you're playing a two-man midfield. And Ward-Prowse is suspended, isn't he? And Ward-Prowse is suspended now for this weekend because he got sent off against Mm. Chelsea. Um... Like uh, they're short there, the the line of two behind the strikers. They've got some talent, for sure. They've got. I mean, Nathan Redden can play there. He's not ideal. Uh, Armstrong's a good player. hasn't featured this season. Janepo's uh, good but inconsistent. Elianessi's good but inconsistent. Tella is a kid who's unproven. Theo Walcott just isn't very good anymore. So ideally, you'd probably want maybe one more there to go with Elianassi, Gineppo, Armstrong. If you had one more, you'd be in a good situation. Up front is where I think there's an issue, a, b- a big issue. There's not enough goals in this team. So they obviously brought in Adam Armstrong to replace Danny Ings. The issue is 
they needed someone to start alongside Ings. Mm-hmm. I like Che Adams, but at best, he's your third striker. He's the one that comes off the bench. He's the rotation one. And then you've you've got the others that can play there, Redmond um, and Walcott. But, I mean, they don't offer enough. They're not enough of a goal threat. They need a striker, a starting striker, to go alongside Armstrong. Would they you need... just run with Breuer, Breuer of the men? Because he's yeah, like good I mean, cameos, but... He's the option, and he he does look very talented. He's yet to start for them. Mm-hmm. The issue, the only issue I have with it is, like, say he does really well, can they afford to keep him in the summer? Will Chelsea sell him, or are they just getting him better for Chelsea? You know, I think in the short mm-hmm. term they probably have to play him and hope for the best that he just does really well and gets them enough goals. Because him and Armstrong is a pairing, I think, that could work. They've got Mm -hmm. good skill sets that overlap in the right ways but offer very different things. So if they're your two starters and then you've got Adams, Redmond and Walcott off bench, that's fine then. That should be enough. Maybe lacks a little in goals or a little in terms of proven goals because there's no proof yet Broya can score in the Premier League. Armstrong has one goal in seven games. They've only scored four Premier League goals this season. Ward Prowse has two of them. Um, so, so they're lacking in goals. I think they're lacking a bit of depth in midfield and maybe one in between the lines type. But it's not a bad squad. Like, I don't think it's a, a, a championship squad the way I'd look at Watford's squad and say championship. Mm-hmm. Or Norwich's squad, there's, a, there's just a few too many that, that do scream championship. Actually, speaking of Norwich... Uh, Todd Cantwell would be ideal for this Southampton team. In between the lines, able to play right or left of that two, the in-between two, in that 4-2-2-2. Mm-hmm. Two, two, two. Todd Cantwell would be perfect for them. But that's what, what, by the so, Is Southampton just missing? I mean, you mentioned Watford there. I know this is a bit um, hyperbolic, but it's something like Saar. Saar is a difference maker for Watford. A game changer. Yeah, yeah a game changer. Someone even, that can even, stretch even, the game. Even a Burnley, like, Chris Wood's dependable. I don't see yeah. Southampton having depend- dependability. See, that's the thing. Again, like, you need someone... What, what used to keep Watford up was, even though Troy Deeney might not score 20 goals a season, he would have heavy involvement in 20 goals a season. Mm. either through scoring, assists, or the pass before the past. He would draw defenders in because he was physical and he was happy to go into the battle. So sometimes it would take two defenders to get him off the ball. And by doing that, you create a free man somewhere else. Chris Wood's exactly the same. Um, I, I think Broya, the potential of him is to be you know, that dependable front man who has good physicality to his game. He's big and strong. He's got a decent bit of pace about him as well. But he's so young. It's a lot to ask, especially for a club he doesn't that don't own him. Mm. And you have to wonder, like, what kind of advice is he getting? Is he getting advice from people saying, go in and give absolutely everything, every single challenge, every 1v1 fully committed? Or is somebody in his ear saying, just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. Because if you get hurt there, you go back to Chelsea and you can get buried. 
and you'll be out on loan to Vietas Arnhem again for the next mm-hmm. 12 years. And that'll be your career, which is a, a fine career to have. I'd certainly have taken that as a career, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, he's got big ambitions. I do think that experienced, reliable front man who can just offer a little bit of everything, and especially off the ball. Mm. The problem is they're they're hard enough to find, and the clubs that have them don't want to give them up. Like, Burnley could have sold Chris Wood five times over, didn't want to. Uh, Watford turned down a big bid for Troy Deeney from Leicester. Do you remember the summer that yeah, Arsenal Vardy. tried to buy Vardy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Leicester tried to buy Deeney that summer, and it got turned down. Um, he failed in the Premier League, but Islam Slimani would have act- Slimani would have, would actually be the ideal profile of striker for Southampton. I think Armstrong would work well off him. Mm. Otherwise, I mean, you're, you're you're talking about expensive players. It's your your Ivan Tonys, your Calvert Lewins, your Ollie Watkins, those type who offer goals, but lots and lots of work, aerial ability, hold up play, link play, running the channels, all that really unsexy stuff that people don't give enough credit for. They need to find someone like that now. The guy I would suggest, if they wanted to go in January and buy a striker, and this is free advice from me to uh, Southampton Football Club, have a look at Johnson Clark Harris at Peterborough. Now, he is already 27, so he's not a young player. But he's been up and down the divisions. He's played Championship, League 2, League 1. He scored 31 goals in League 1 last season. I'm not suggesting he's going to come into the Premier League and score 20 a season. But I think he can get you 10 to 12. And his all-round game is really good. And he's really tough. And he's always up for a bit of a battle with Mm -hmm. a centre-back. And I think he could be a Troy Deeney type for them. It's what the championship is riddled so. with, isn't it? Is it Kiefer Moore? Is it Cardiff, I think? Kiefer Moore yeah. would be that kind of player, for sure. He's that type of player who can, you know, can be your not... Do you know who else there is? And he didn't work in the Premier League all that well, but he enabled others around him is Ollie McBurney. Mm. Just that big physical lump who will throw himself at everything who will endlessly try to create an advantage for somebody else very unselfish someone like him or like he from her like you mentioned that type as well do you know who would have been a, a decent pickup he's not i don't think he's a premier league player but ashley fletcher mm. that same type of big Oh, now Fletcher's not as physical, but he does occupy defenders, and he's actually very well schooled. Like he came through at United, he was at West Ham. He's had a really good footballing education, um, but he can occupy defenders. He's a bit of a physical presence, someone like that. But yeah, Kiefer Moore would have it would actually be a good one. Uh, Clark Harris would be a good one. There's there's, there's a few. The there we go. See. 
Well, the, the, the only issue with Dom is They're Dom, expensive. yeah, he'd be really expensive because they paid big money for him. Mitrovic would actually be, that's the one. Hmm. Alexander Mitrovic, if you could somehow get him, now I know he signed a new contract, so he's probably not available, but Mitrovic would be would be a good one. Um, even re- even reuniting Brereton Diaz or something like that. I do like him. I I also like that kid who's playing for uh, for Coventry at the minute, uh, Kjorkers, something like that. He's he's the, doing really the well. Swedish for Greek sounded person. That's him. Yeah, Gok- yeah. yeah. Gokers, that's, I that's think it is or something like that. Um, he's a good player, but like I would, I I go for that more physical mm. Ollie McBurney, Kiefer Moore, you know that type, or or the Clark Harris type. Every, I think every Stoke forward from the Tony Pulis era. Yeah, just bring them all back. Get <laughs> yeah. them all in 1v1 and try them out. Ricardo Fuller, Peter Crouch, uh, Sadiba. Henry Jones there? Yes, of course he was. Um, Sunderland and Stoke, must have been. It was, or was it Southampton? Sunderland and Stoke. Actually, he played for Southampton, then Sunderland, yeah. and then Stoke. So you just like red and white then? The man loved a bit of red and, red and white. white. He also stripe, played for right. Cardiff when they switched to the red shirts. Beautiful. Then he went and he played for Bournemouth, who also wear red. He's just missing Middlesbrough this way. Al Jazeera, Al Jazeera, whose away kit is red. He went to Atalanta United, who, if I'm not mistaken, wear red and black. They do. Uh, who else did he play for? Some team called Central. They wear black and white. That's disappointing. I bet he was That's bad. I bet he was bad at central, though. It doesn't count. No, it doesn't count at all. Mm. He played for two teams called W Connection, who were all white, and Joe Public FC, which is a club in Trinidad and Tobago. They they were a red away kit. So for most of his career, uh, Barra spell on loan at Sheffield Wednesday, where he scored seven goals in seven games. Um, he played in red and white. It's a shame that after Stoke he didn't go to Sheffield United. Uh, this has descended into the Cameron Jones, uh, the Kenwin Jones hour, but um, yeah, like even that's the thing. A, Cam- a Kenwin Jones, a Cameron Jerome, those type of big physical strikers who are just a pain in the arse. Mm. Do you know who would have been a really good signing for them? Teo Awanyi. Oh, that's a shout. Who's doing really well at Union Berlin? I think they they paid six and a half million. Yeah, something like that. Big, strong, quick. I don't think Origi's that type of player, is he? Divock's not physical enough. No. Divock's not. We could sell him to them, though. Happy to sell him. Oh, 15 yeah. million. Job done. He's yours. But that's what they. That's the big thing they need, is just someone who can occupy strength. You, you mentioned uh, Brayton Diaz. He's not a big physical type, but he's got really good movement. And he occupies strikers in that way. So you, you could go that route with it either, you know? Like, just mm. get someone up front who can be consistent. They don't have to be a consistent scorer, but if they're a consistent 7 out of 10 provider, uh, performer who are contributing to 20 goals a season through either a goal, and assist, the, the pre-assist, or simply a bit of movement that takes a defender away and opens space. If you can get someone that can do that for you 20 times a season, you'll be absolutely fine in this league. Especially if you've got a player like Armstrong who can score goals. He just has to show he can do it in the Premier League. Yeah. 
So we'll go back to the game, which was like half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your prediction for Southampton against Leeds? Because just reminding the people what we were talking oh, and, about. And yeah, we should probably mention that Leeds are actually playing in this game yeah. as well. Um, Bamford's a doubt. Phillips is a doubt. Cock is out. Ailing's out. Forshaw's out. And Somerville's out. So none of that's good for Leeds. Uh, Ward Prowse is suspended. Che Adams is a doubt. Jack Stevens out. Missing as well, won't he? Broya uh, is back. Uh, Will Smallbone is out. Oh, Rafinha. Oh, Rafinha will miss out. Ooh, that does make things more interesting. Now it's. Because he is their only player at the minute. Yeah. This game is is at St. Mary's. The safe bet to nil nil draw. I'm gonna go. I'll go one one. Because, but yeah, because nil 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 is the safe bet. Because Lorente makes Leeds much better defensively, and Southampton don't have enough goal scoring. Leeds have minimal creativity. Their best midfielder is also out, and their number nine is out. I'll go one one just to avoid picking a nil nil. But if I was to advise people to avoid one game this weekend. This would be it. Yeah, I think I this could see. be a stinker. I can't see loads of goals. I'll go one nil Southampton. I think they're due a, a win. And as I say, we like Ralph, and there is mm. there is people in the team, but no Rafinha, no Bamford in the defence is where it is. But yeah, I just don't think Leeds. What Dan James and um, Harrison on the wings? It it it's pacey, and I don't I don't see the creativity there. And who are they creating for? Rodrigo. That's the thing, who doesn't spend any time playing in the number nine position. And even if so. he was, he wasn't going to score. <laughs> no, four he, goals a season. He will, he will obviously get a hat-trick now, I've just said that, but I'm sorry, Southampton. Yeah, this will end up in like a 4-4 draw and it'll yeah. be game of the season. Obviously. Um, as long as, but people know that, like they've been listening to us do this for over over a year now, this prediction thing, and I'm always wrong. So um, this will be an absolute belter of a game because I've said it will be dreadful. Absolutely, and Burnley are winning 5-0 as well. Um, actually, there's some things we can't even jinx into, <laughs> into reality. Um, next up then, the one that should be quite fun, is Brentford against Chelsea. And uh, I mean, the Ivan Tony fan club starts with you, Dave, and Brentford fans, obviously, but you're ahead of them. Um, Ivan Tony against, obviously, Chelsea's defence is great, but Tony v Thiago Silva, does Silva still play for Brazil? Uh, he does. I don't know. Was was he in the most recent squad? I pay very little attention to European football or to international football, and even less to non-European international mm. football. He was in the squad, so, so he, he will not play. So that so ruins what I was going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Silva is not going to play. Antonio Rudiger is a doubt. Ooh. Lukaku is a doubt. Reese James is a doubt. Kante is a doubt. And Christian Pulisic is ruled out. So that's that's not great for Chelsea. For Brentford, Ayer is a doubt. Yanolt is a doubt. Sorensen and De Silva are out. And Baptiste is out. Baptiste is a big blow because he was playing quite well for them. Mm. Yanolt has probably been their best player after Tony this season. And Ayer has been a good addition in the back line. But thankfully for them, Ethan Pinnock didn't sustain a bad injury against Liverpool, even though it looked like he might have. 
And he was forced mm. off. Brentford have been really good this season. Like, really, really good. They've only lost the once. They were very unfortunate to lose that game to Brighton. They gave Liverpool all manner of trouble. They beat West Ham. They beat Wolves. They drew with Villa. They beat Arsenal. They drew with Palace. So they've been really good this season. They look strong defensively. They move the ball quickly through midfield. Though, without Janelt, that's going to be difficult because he's really mm-hmm. good at progressing the ball. But Tony is the key to it all. Like If, if he can terrorise that Chelsea defence the way he did the Liverpool defence and the Wolves defence and the West Ham defence, they will get chances. And I think they will score. The issue is, can they keep Chelsea out? If Lukaku doesn't play, it becomes a lot easier. But I expect I expect he will play. I think this is a tough game for Chelsea. They haven't looked great recently. Um, obviously, they won last weekend against Southampton, but they weren't particularly impressive. It was 1-1 up until the red card, mm. and they got two late goals. I don't think anyone has watched Chelsea in the last couple of games and been impressed. They were poor against Juve, dreadful against City. They did play well against Tottenham, but we've we've since that doesn't learned that Tottenham were, are, are an abomination. Like, the last time you could say they played well was Villa on the 11th of September, so a month ago. To be ago. fair, Villa were good in the first half of that game as well. True. That's very true. Lukaku got the, the early goal and then Kovacic scored just into the second half and Kovacic Villa kind of... won that game. He worldy pass in that in Oh, goal, that pass is unbelievable. The pass was unbelievable. But that, that second goal kind of killed Villa in that game. But up until that point, yeah, you're right. They were very much in it. They weren't hugely impressive at Anfield when they came and parked the bus. Mm. Um you know they beat Arsenal, who are who are poor, and they beat Crystal Palace in the first day of the season. I, I still think they're going to win the league. They're they're my pick to win the title, but they have not impressed as yet. They still look strong defensively, but I do think a striker like Tony will cause them trouble. I'll go. I'm not brave enough to pick against Chelsea in this game, mm-hmm. though I do think a home win is possible. But I'm going to go for a 2-2. I think Tony will cause them real trouble. And I don't think they're going to be able to cope with him in the air. Yeah, because if, if, if Rudiger's not there and uh, Silva's not there, what, Christiansen? And, Chal- and Rhys James is a doubt as well. Yeah, so Chalabar So you could have Christiansen, Chalabar, and maybe Aspilicueta fills in and Hudson-Odoi is the wing-back. And if not that, I mean, what are you looking at there? Malang yeah, who's who's five ten? Hmm. Like risky one there. Tony will eat him alive in the air. Tony ate Matip in the air. Who's I believe who's six than, five? Who I believe better than Van Dijk in the air. Yeah, Ma- Matip is I believe the the previous two seasons. Now it's it's small sample size because he only plays like ten yeah. league games a year. But I think Matip had the best aerial win percentage in the in the league two years in a row. And Tony annihilated him. Yeah. So, I, I mean, he, he, I know Aspie's a bit, obviously, a lot more seasoned. And he'll know how to deal with people like that because he's played in the Premier League against 
monsters when when Benteke could play football and Andy Carroll was about and and so on. But yeah, I'd say Aspi, Chalabar and uh, Christensen's probably the best bet there, and then Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll I'll go one one. I, I was thinking draw as well. I think especially if Lukaku's out, I think a back three against Werder. And then Havertz doesn't look great this season. Mount hasn't looked himself yet. Uh, Ziyech is Ziyech. He's not really done it at Chelsea. So, yeah, I think the attacking side's yet to click for Chelsea. So, yeah, I'll go 1-1 as well. Um, Next up then, it again, should be a fun game. It is Everton against West Ham, first of the Super Sunday. Um, Do Everton have strikers back? That's probably the best place to start. Let's have a looky. Everton. Uh, Calvert-Lewin is a 50-50. doubt. Richarlison is a doubt. Now, it, Richarlison was obviously left out of the Brazil squad because of the injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Coleman's a doubt. Gomez is a doubt. Wobi is a doubt. Dinia is a doubt. It's not great. It's not great. But <laughs> Rafa's going to look at the Newcastle job now. <laughs> yeah, he might be having a quick glance. But Rafa has done a brilliant job this season mm-hmm. of getting the most out of Andros Townsend and Damari Gray's had a really good start to the season. And West Ham have been a little bit inconsistent. Mm. Like, you know, the l- loss at home to um, to Brentford was, it was a disappointing result for them. They were poor against Leeds but managed to get the late win. They were unfortunate against United. They were poor against Southampton. They were really disappointing the way they threw away uh, two leads against Palace. They've just been a little bit susceptible at the back so far. It hasn't quite settled in. I really want to see them try Zuma and Diop as a pair Mm -hmm. and just see how they do because I think aerially they'd be phenomenal. Mm. There'd be some concentration issues. But you put those two in goal, or those two at centre-back and Areola in goal, They'll all be able to communicate really easily, and you might just get something going there. You'd still fancy West Ham to get a result here. A, you know, a question: Antonio would have been in Jamaica, wouldn't he? For the no, I don't think he went. Did he not go? Okay, let's see. Jamaica is Jamaica is on the list, isn't it? I presume so, but even if it's a lot of lot of travel, isn't it? And obviously, he has a no. Lot of he wasn't in the last squad. He was left out. Um, Andre Gray. Do you know? Funnily enough, we were talking with strikers for Southampton earlier on. Andre Gray would be the type, and I would guarantee uh, he's currently on loan. Actually, he's on loan at QPR. I didn't oh, realize. Okay. Uh, Watford still own him. I think he's got a year left on his contract. I think this is his last year of his contract. So they're loaning him out in the last year of his contract. They paid like 20 million for him. But he would have been the type, mm. you know. He, he's that type who would have done the type of job that we, you're looking for if you're um, if you're Southampton. Anyway, uh, no, Antonio should be fine. He wasn't right. called up. And he's in tremendous form. they uh, Sufal is a doubt and Fredericks is out so it may be Ben Johnson again Ben Johnson plays right back again um, and he's done fine there this year but Damari Gray will cause him trouble mm-hmm. I like uh, this is weird it's another weekend it's another game where I like the draw yeah 
I do like the draw on this one. I think I'll go with the draw. I'll go 1-1. I think the two well-balanced teams. But if we... Do you know what? I'm going to go away win. I'm going to go West Ham to win this game 2-1. Because they're really close to full strength. And without Calvert-Lewin, without Dina, without Richarlison, I just don't know how many weeks in a row Andros Townsend is going to give you an (laughs) 8 out of 10 performance before he throws in a 4 out of 10. And Damari Gray can be the same. You know, inconsistency's kind of been you know, his his middle name during his career. I'll go 2-1 West Ham. Yeah, I'd make West Ham the favourites as well, but even at the time in Liverpool, as Liverpool, you never doubt Rafa Benitez. <laughs> you just never do. I mean, the only time he's what failed is Inter Milan. I like that it's uh, Inter, you could argue Real Madrid. Yeah, Real, yeah. But that was more down to just personality clashes than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he did well at Napoli, but just not as well as they had hoped. They are cursed, though. Yeah, basically. But yeah, no, Rafa's done whatever. I like that this is Rafa against Moyes. I mean... Old mates. <laughs> old mates from many years ago. Um, and, I mean, they were, you know, what, six years Rafa was at Liverpool. Mm. And Moyes was at Everton that whole time. There was good games between the two teams. It's Again, it's Moyes going back to Everton, where I, I think he's still very highly regarded by the fans. I'd expect him to get uh, a good reception. But uh, he might hear some boos if his team win. I- I'll go two one to to West Ham. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to doubt Rafa. I'll, I'll I'll go with your original of one all. I think I don't know. He's just made him hard to be beaten, and that quite a job to do. Um, you, Mina won't be available, will he? I don't know what the crack is with Colombia. I don't. No, I'm not South sure. It, it's not worth googling. But even if I don't think Yerry Mina's much better than a Holgate or whoever who will come in from anywhere. So, but yeah, I think I'll go. I'll go with one all. I think Everton will be tough to beat. Um, and as as we say, Townsend and Gray have added a bit of spark. And if Rondon, I pre- again presumably I don't even know if he goes to the Venezuela squad anymore. Um, but presumably he's about um. I think he'll settle into something eventually, but yeah, I'll go one all. I think it'll be a, I think that should be a fun game to start this Sunday. Um, next up then, Dave. I mean, ugh. Steve Bruce. It's either Steve Bruce's thousandth game or it's what if Steve Bruce's thousandth game um, against Spurs. Uh, yeah, uh, Newcastle. Be optimistic at the minute, but their current team's not very good. No, and Spurs. Spurs won their last game, didn't they? Did they yes. Do, 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 do. If this would get off the bloody screen. They beat Villa. Um, which is a good win for them, to be fair. But again, Tottenham, three losses in a row before that. and I, Were they all three? They were all conceding three. Mm. Does the sense of optimism around Newcastle change anything? Or is the fact that they only have like one good player... Yeah, with that. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, you can be as optimistic as you want, but your team is still your team, and your manager is still your manager. You know, like if if Bill Gates bought Manchester United tomorrow, he doesn't make Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a better manager. He doesn't fix their problems in midfield. So 
for all the money the Saudis have, they can't do a damn thing until January in terms of fixing the team. At this point, it does look like it'll be Steve Bruce in the dugout. I think it'd be a mistake to change it this close to the game. Yeah, I mean, at best, it's going to be Graham Jones in the dugout, who I, I know nothing thing. of, but... Did he manage he's, he's a very project? highly regarded assistant, but he's got nothing to show he's a good manager. Yeah. Um, Newcastle are yet to win three draws, four defeats, conceded 16, which is obviously not good at all. Joint worst defence in the league with Norwich. And like when you're meant to be you know, a defensive coach, as Bruce is supposed to be, that's appalling. Um, Spurs started the season well, had that horrible three-game run, bounced back last time out beating Villa. I do fancy Spurs to be the party poopers here and go up to up to the tune and get the win and, and silence what I would assume will be a very loud packed house. Harry Kane is yet to play well in the league, mm-hmm. which is a, a concern. But a bad defence in Newcastle might be just what he needs. Is Newcastle's uh, ben... defence any worse than Hungary's? It probably is. <laughs> it probably is slightly worse. Um, it, it's probably slightly worse. And he he has Youngman Son in this game. That's true. Who is is just a sensational player. Now, there's no Sessegnon, no Bergwijn, but neither of them would start. No Davies or Doherty. Neither of them would start. So Spurs will be as close to full strength as they can be. Um, whereas Newcastle, Callum Wilson's a doubt, but he is back in training. So maybe he's on the bench. Dubravka should be back in training. Woodman is back. Lachelles is back in training. Shelby is back in training. Joe Willock is a doubt with a hip issue, but he'll probably play anyway. Paul Dummett's the only one definitely out. If both are at full strength, if Wilson plays, it will be Newcastle will have more of a chance because mm-hmm. there's at least somebody there who's a capable finisher to get on the end of things that St. Maximum can, can can conjure. But I do fancy Spurs to win this game. I don't think they'll get many goals because that's just how they are this season and it's Nuno. I can see Newcastle getting an early goal and then Spurs coming back to beat them. I'll go 2-1 Spurs. I was thinking the same, but to be different, Steve Bruce is going to go out with a firework display. Let's go with 3 all. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's going to go out with a win. Oh, God, no. Oh, no that's Lord. stupid. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like right, the West so, Ham game, but different. <laughs> so, So here's the thing, right? On Talksport the other day, they were saying, "This will be Bruce's one thousand manage or one thousand game," which I thought as well. Mm-hmm. But he had fifty-five games at at Sheffield United, sixty-six at Huddersfield, eight at Wigan, eighteen at Crystal Palace, two hundred and seventy at Birmingham, sixty-eight at Wigan in the second term, ninety-eight at at Sunderland, two hundred and one at Hull, one hundred and two at Villa. 18 at Sheffield Wednesday and 96 now at Newcastle, which according to Wikipedia, he's already managed a thousand games. So I I don't know if 
if that's correct or or what the situation is. Uh, maybe there's a game here or there that's not meant to be there. But either way, I mean, the guy's won 37.6% of his games, which is appalling. He's lost almost as many as he's won. His Premier League record, I think, is one of the worst ever and the worst ever for somebody who's managed over, I think it's 200 Premier League games. Yeah. Um, You don't really trust him to do too much. The only jobs he has won more than 41% of his games are Wigan, when he managed them for 18 games. <laughs> And Villa, who who won forty five percent of the games, and the fans hated him. And that, hated was a Villa, that was a Villa team that should have been in the Premier League a lot. Certainly. Yes, you know what's funny though? You look at his his managerial history, right? He was at Birmingham a long time and Hull a long time, but the Hull fans still haven't forgiven him for walking out just before the season started. Mm-hmm. Villa fans despise him. Uh, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday fans can't stand him because he left them to go to Newcastle, left them in the lurch in in the middle of the summer. Like, he's just left this trail of broken hearts behind him. He's won the playoffs once with Hull? Birmingham. And once with Hull. And he also got Hull promoted as runner-up. So he's been promoted into the Premier League three times. But to my knowledge, he's been relegated three times as well. He was definitely relegated with Hull at least once. I'm almost certain he was relegated with Birmingham. And if I'm not mistaken, he got relegated with Aston Villa. Didn't he take them over in the October and they got relegated that season? No, I, I, think they had so. like, I thought they had like Remy Gard as manager, didn't they? Oh, you could be right. Is it Remy Gard? One of the See, one of the how many times. I always um, thought yeah, I've always thought it was just Tim Sherwood who took him down, but I always forget they got that random French dude in. Steve Bruce been relegated. Steve Bruce uh doesn't say. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> um either way, he's not very good, is he? Like, he just isn't very good. Just give him the one more game, then sack him. Graham Jones can do a few games whilst you beg Conte to come in, and if not, just get Fonseca or someone like that. Fonseca would be interesting. He genuinely would be interesting. Mm. Right. Um, Yeah, he was relegated once with Hull. I think think that's it. No, he didn't take Wigan down. They stayed up for years, didn't they? Yeah. I think when he managed them, there might have been... He must have taken over... They were in the championship when he first managed them, I think. Oh, okay. Didn't he take... He took over Paul Jewell, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, so I think he's been promoted three times and relegated twice. I think. It's mad how Paul... Speaking of Paul Jewell, he was once in this conversation. What the hell happened to him? So... That may well be Friday's show. Yeah. Um, we may, I might, I might actually just go back and look at you know Premier League managers that were once seen as having potential and and being you know maybe someone that could go somewhere, uh, who now are no longer relevant or some of them aren't even managing football teams at all. Um, 
Did he get Sunderland relegated? No, no, they, they were... no, he kept them up. He was the one before O'Neill, or was he? He was, he was, is right. Um, and then we got Poyer, <coughs> other madmen. Decanio, all those were the days. Oh, I'm wrong. Was he promoted four times? Why is he it, was. Why is it always Steve Bruce we times. do this? Why is it always Steve Bruce we do this with? He's the least interesting manager in Premier League. I know, history. but like you know, <laughs> it's it is. Well, this is Tadiwa's show, so it why is. not? We can do what we Let's want. Let's go fuck. Well, he's been promoted into the Championship once from Division Two, well, League Two or League One rather, into the Championship, and then the Championship to the Premier League. Uh, three times, so four promotions in total for for Mister Bruce. Um, so if you, look, if you're a championship club looking for someone that will keep you in the top half and might get you up to the playoffs, Steve Bruce could be your guy. But if you want to do anything in the Premier League, oh Christ, he's going to end up as a borough manager. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, well, God. that'll complete the set because he did Sunderland already. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and he's done Hull, which is you know northern enough. It's not um, here, but yeah, <laughs> it's northern enough. It's like I'm pretty sure it's like three hours away. <laughs> Let's have a three hours. I'm pretty sure it's my mate lived near Hull. It took two and a half. It's a while away. I'm pretty sure. Right, according to Google Maps, it's two hours and two minutes from Middlesbrough. To Hull, which is actually quite a distance. So his his job potential to stay somewhat northern, if we're going to take it, it's Borough, Darlington, Scarborough, York City, and that's basically it. So they're they're the jobs we're going to allow Steve Bruce. Uh, Borough first, then Darlington. Scarborough and York and then the only other real northern teams that he won't have infected uh, would be Leeds and Bradford and he won't get he might get the Bradford job he won't get the Leeds job but anyway we've spent too long on Tadiwa's podcast discussing Steve Bruce where do we go from here so yeah that well it's just what we do isn't it but next up and this is the last one is Arsenal against Crystal Palace uh, yeah, Arsenal somewhat improved. Uh, obviously, is it dis- is a draw with Brighton disappointing for Arsenal? I don't even know. If Normally, is. I would say yes, but this season I would say no. Yeah, I'd say it's a decent result. The performance was awful, though. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. But, but all right, result, bad performance, and Palace. Palace are improving week by week, and. Mm. Played really well against Leicester, but only a two-all draw, and they were the much better team. But salvaged the result with some sloppy after some sloppy defending. Um, I think this will be a good one, especially on a Monday night. It's potential Arsenal fan TV content. <laughs> uh, what, what do you make of this one? Yeah, you know what's weird about this is Arsenal play Monday night and then again on Friday night. Yeah, uh, must be fun not to be in Europe. Um, yeah, like you said, Palace have been getting better and better. Arsenal won three in a row, but, you know, they beat Norwich, they beat Burnley, the two bad teams. They they were brilliant for half, well, for 40 minutes against Spurs, 
But the second half, if you watch the second half by itself, it's really concerning for Arsenal. A better referee and some better luck for Spurs, and it maybe ends 3-3. So I don't think much of this Arsenal team. I quite like what I see from Palace, but Arsenal are only missing Xhaka. So they're close enough to full strength, and you know many would argue that they're better off without Xhaka. Um, Palace are missing Ezzy and Ferguson. For, for Palace to only be missing two players, it's probably the first time in about four years that they've had basically everyone fit, bar the two lads that they knew were ruled out before the season began. I am going to say... I'm going to go for an away win. I, I, I will probably end up being wrong, but I'm going to go for Palace to win... Quite a good game, 3-2. I think Zaha, Eduard, Olise, I think they'll have some joy against Arsenal. I think Arsenal will struggle a little bit to deal with Conor Gallagher. So I'm going to go for the away win in this one. I'll go 3-2 Palace. Monday night, Vieira going back to the Emirates. Um, in fact, did Vieira ever play for Arsenal at the Emirates? I think he left before they went to the Emirates. So um, I know he was there with Manchester City, but I'll go... I'll go 3-2 Palace. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about the Vieira connection. It could be a nice uh, atmosphere for that. I'll say 2 all. I think Palace have a lot of weapons that could hurt Arsenal. But at the same, we still don't know what Arsenal are, really. Maybe this will answer how good Brighton are more than anything. But yeah, I think it'll be a fun game. One, a nice one on a Monday night. I'll say 2 all. And that's it, Dave. That was our last game. So that was our first. I don't even. I can't remember how many games we're covering today before. But we'll have to do this again next week. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to Dave, and we'll speak to you next week in this format. And Dave will be back tomorrow with two footed. Thank you and goodbye. Oh, it's brilliant. Taken away by Wicks. Let's see. Oh, it's glorious. Drowsiest strikes yes. it! Bamford shot. Oh, brilliant! The Pogba! Oh, what a finish! Came out to him. Menez! Pick that one out! What a goal by Harry Kane! Saka, 2 0. Jesse Lingard, oh, thumping finish! The champions of 2021 are Manchester City. Sports Social Podcast Network.